You are listening to Get Real Podcast. When someone leaves a controlling fellowship, you'll hear whispers, you'll hear declarations, maybe even a declaration from the pulpit mm -hmm. saying, well, you really need to pray for so-and-so because there's a lot of stuff going on there. And I heard that so-and-so is sleeping with so-and-so. I mean, horrible slander. Mm -hmm. No truth to yes. it. So-and-so is nope. sleeping with so-and-so. So-and-so is doing this. Oh, that person got their job by sleeping their way to the top. I heard the most horrible things about people that left. Yeah. And they were not true. I couldn't believe that people that um, were so moralizing and would preen about morality and honesty and God speaking to me and all this stuff would be capable in an instant of horrible lies. It's unbelievable. We're talking about gaslighting. We're talking about manipulation, spiritual manipulation. We've got a friend of ours, Sarah Beth. She's on the phone. And she has yep. been talking to us about her experience about growing up in a church that was more of a cult than a church. And it wasn't just a cult in the sense of off doctrine. The doctrine about salvation was actually pretty good. So the worm that was on the hook was really, really extraordinarily bad. That's a good worm if it looks like the real thing. And it, it did is. look like the real thing. It is. So, Sarah Beth, there were a couple of things that you wanted to share that you didn't get a chance to. Yeah. Well, first, really quick, what you just said um, reminded me of a quote by Spurgeon, because I've actually been through a couple of bad churches since I've been to the one we're discussing, and then straight out of that one, I jumped right out of the frying pan into the fire in another one. Um, and, I, and a quote from Spurgeon really helped me, um, and it says that discernment is not distinguishing right from wrong, but right from almost right. And that is so important because most of the time, people are not going to come up to you and tell you something completely crazy on its face. It's going to have an element of truth to it that you're going to want to believe. And then the rest of it is the twisted part. And so just to reiterate what he just, what Dan just said, yeah, I was, I, I became a Christian there. I learned the Bible stories. We had child evangelism evangelism fellowship in our Sunday school class. So yeah, it was partially true, but 100% no one should be going there. <clears throat> Dan had asked me, and Glenn too, actually Dan, I don't know if you answered this question yourself. I was curious to hear your answer too. What, what kept you there or, you know, how did it affect me? Because I grew up there. I was basically born into the system. And one of the things that I see in myself that I struggle with to this day that I think all humans struggle with is we want to get it right. And I am definitely a person who likes to get things correct. And I want to know that I'm doing things the best way possible. So one of the things that it was definitely my relationship with God that they leveraged for me, it was the salvation issue. And that was somewhere where, yes, we heard the gospel but then they added to it, which was they could decide if you were saved or not saved based on um, your behavior and based on what they thought about you. I was terrified of being not saved. I wanted, and I loved God, and I wanted to please Him. I wanted to please God so bad that I would do almost, I would do crazy things, crazy, crazy things to obey, to feel love from Him, and I equated 
the pastor, uh, I don't like calling him a pastor. It's a disgrace to the, to the calling, but the leader with God. And that was not an accident. He made that happen. That's what we did. So that's why, you know, at the end, the big wrestling match that I had was, am I disobeying God? Are all these things true? Am I? And it's partially true. I am rebellious. I am sinful. But trusting that I can see that they were wrong and that I was trying to follow the Lord and they were keeping me from that is what ultimately led me to leave. And then I realized how wrong it was. I didn't really actually see all the wrongness until after. But I think that I wanted to know for sure that I was doing things right. And they gave me a nice checklist. Until they changed the checklist, and we can talk about that later. The checklist changed a lot, you guys. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, Where like yeah. a mm-hmm. one, yep. one year, this was the rules. And, like, and that's another form of gaslighting. So I would do something that someone had told me to do, and then that I would get in trouble for doing it. And they would say, you should know better. And I would say, well, Pastor so-and-so told me to do that. And they would say, no, they didn't. That's sinful. And then the other pastor, this was neither of you guys, by the way, threw me under the bus and never said... Oh, yeah, I did tell her to do that. They were always afraid of the leader. So there was that aspect for me. I I think I still struggle very, very much. It's, it's, at, it's to a point where I will say very vulnerably, I'm recovering from pneumonia right now, and I am in a stage of my life where I am, like God had literally had me on my back for two weeks, and I was like, what, how did this happen? I'm young. I'm, I'm an athlete. Like, I'm doing these things. How have I become ill? And God really showed me. Um, I don't think it's like a punishment or anything, but he really showed me I've been performing really hard. I've been trying to perform again. I, I picked it back up. I'm trying to get it right. So I was running myself ragged through my job. I was running myself ragged through the way I was living and through the way that I was doing my things that I used to love turned into a performance. And I tend to get sick when I am stressed. And my body stopped me the last couple of weeks. And I'm realizing just today, I've been striving again. And I learned that. I will say my flesh likes to do that naturally. But I learned it growing up. I learned that striving pattern of, did I do it right? If you don't do it right, that's a sign that you're spiritually flipping. If you forget to make dinner for your husband, or if you, you know, can't, your house isn't perfect or whatever. And I've been struggling with that. And I realized just today, that's from the past. That is not, I don't, I can live in freedom again. And so I'm hoping not to get pneumonia again. Hopefully I will not get sick from my stress again. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, Beth, that, there, there's something, there's something that you just said there that is, is a very interesting point is that you've been out now for how long? Six years. Six years. All right. And you're yeah. still healing, correct? And oh, you're still, oh, for sure. and you're still dealing I'm still healing. Dan's still healing. As a matter of fact, uh, something that I was praying for both Dan and I just a couple weeks ago is that all of this has been so ingrained in us is that we still, in a lot of ways, operate out of that everything that came out of there was truth. Basically, what I've had to do and what my prayer has been is that everything that comes into our heads, the way that we act, the way that we interact with each other is held up to the light of Scripture to see if that is correct. Because... It's been so inculcated in us. And last night I was looking at what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees. 
And John the Baptist said the same thing. He called them a brood of vipers. And there was a reason why he called them vipers is because vipers, they looked very useful. They looked like twigs. And that's why Paul got bit by one when he threw the wood in the fire. He thought it was a piece of wood, a small twig that they threw in the fire. But here's what vipers do is they latch on to you and they don't let go. You can't, it's a very hard task to get them off. So this poison that's been injected in you, me, Dan, and everybody else who's been there and everybody else who's there getting the poison injected in them, it's very hard to get rid of. Now, what vipers do is once they latch on, the death is very slow. It's very painful. It's very agonizing. And earlier in the earlier edition, when I was talking about I really didn't like going to church, being alive. Those were the most miserable 13 years of my life. It was painful. It was death. And Dan, you probably remember, man, we had all these great ideas for vision and what we were going to do and nothing worked. Yeah, it wouldn't. Mm -hmm. it, it, just, mm -hmm. it just wouldn't work at all. So that healing process, and this is for anybody that's listening that has left an organization like that or been in a situation or even in a relationship with a guy or a girl where they were gaslighted, not even in a spiritual situation, it's a viper. And it's very, very hard and difficult to get get rid of. And unfortunately, it takes time for those scars, scars to heal. It's a toxicity that's been brought into you that you've taken upon yourself. And Sarah Beth, when we were talking in a previous conversation offline, you had mentioned about spiritual detoxing from all of this and the effect mm -hmm. that it had on your body. Can you talk a little bit about that? I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Yeah, I mean, I think that things affect everyone a little bit differently. For me, I'm the kind of person, and it's a flaw in my personality. It's sinful, but it's also part of who I am. It's one of those things that's all mixed up together, being a sinful human on Earth. But I tend to internalize my emotions. And so... I'm going to cope with something for a long time before it actually comes out of my mouth that this hurts me or I don't like this. And that is magnified with a spiritual component. I think with spiritual abuse, and spiritual abuse is very painful because as a Christian, we know that we're, we're eternal beings and our lifeline is Christ. Spiritual abuse kind of keeps you from your source in a way that you aren't even able to recognize. So I believed that God wanted me to feel this horrible pain, that for me to cry out in the midst of a dark moment was wrong because in the past, that is how I was taught. So it was, a, it was um, love, they call it love bombing in the psychology, um, and then they abuse you, and then they love bomb you into cycle. Um, it's also a cycle in the spiritual abuse, and it was, and I had a personal relationship with the leader as well. So it wasn't just spiritual abuse; it was a personal relationship full of abuse as well. But that influenced my relationship with God to the point where I felt that I couldn't go to Him anymore because He wanted me to feel this way. And when you can't go to your source, when you can't draw on truth anymore, you are left, at least I felt, I'm left without an ability to fight. And scripture tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And I wasn't able to fight anymore because I couldn't ask for any help. And 
it did affect my body because I wasn't able to deal with my emotions. I wasn't able to deal with anything for many years. My parents' divorce, my own abuse, multiple, multiple abuses, years of, I will call it human trafficking, where I was forced to work in a particular business for many years. I didn't really get a choice. Eventually, when everything came to a head, I was incapable of doing much physically at all. I had developed uh, what I believed to be adrenal fatigue. I couldn't function anymore. And it definitely affected my body. When you can't cry out to God and you are connected to him, it's very debilitating. I think I still struggle sometimes with that, but it's much better now. My uncle, um, a few years ago, he and I would talk about these things. He's a, he was a very godly man, and I he passed away a couple of years ago. I love him so much. I'm going to cry. I love him so much, and he helped me deal with this. I would have days where I felt... An, I'm a visual kind of artistic mind. Um, I would picture myself in this dark room in a corner and no one could even touch me. No one could get to me. I was so, so down that even God himself, like no one, no one could get to me. And it was the scariest feeling in the whole world. And those were the times where I believed God put me in that corner, that, that darkness was my punishment. And my uncle told me something, and one day it, it, I believed him. He said, Sarah Beth, you're going to feel like the darkness is going to overcome you and just know that it cannot touch you. It cannot have you. And I remember a Sunday morning where, and Sunday mornings were the days when it would rear its head because it was time to go to church, and my sweet husband would have to deal with me um, in my panic attacks and my can't get out of bed, can't stop crying, can't get up. I mean, it was not, it was not pretty. One morning I was in that dark corner and I remembered what my uncle said. And then I remembered that I could ask God for help when I felt that way. That wasn't God. That was the leftovers from from Voldemort. Yes. And it wasn't real. That darkness couldn't have me anymore. And that morning I said, will you help me? And he did. But I'm telling you guys, that wreaked havoc on my body like in ways... I mean, I was exhausted. And then just figuring out, who is God? Does I, he care about us? You I'm, know? I'm so. sure, Sarah Beth, when I think about your individual case, it was extremely invasive at a young age, and it was kind of three-dimensional. And in the same way that Glenn and I, Glenn, there's a certain uh, <coughs> shame that I hold that mm-hmm. you and I were actually elevated to leadership in such a place one part of it i know is manipulative one part of it is i know we had some giftings that threatened him yes and we needed to be kind of drawn in or neutralized or gotten rid of one or the way one other other. way like that and And whatever that was there were times he would even see me he'd be like well i'm he would try to get rid of me he'd be like i'm surprised you're still here exactly you know well but with sarah beth sarah beth here's you were actually part of something and I don't know if you've ever looked at it this way, because you and I haven't talked since I saw you last. Yeah. We actually had a, um, the band we were playing in, we had a rehearsal, was the last time I saw any of you. So you were yeah. one of the last people that I ever saw, and we haven't talked since other than via Facebook. You were actually part, and you were inducted into what I refer to as Voldemort's emotional harem. When he decided that, you know what, my daughter sitting around my table laughing at my dad jokes, 
okay, was not enough. I need all these other men's beautiful young mm-hmm. college age ladies to live in my home, okay? You were inducted into what I consider, I don't, I don't think there was anything inappropriate going on. I'm not making that assertion, right? But I do believe it was a narcissistic emotional harem. He needed young ladies affirming his ego. He needed to take, There's. I have three daughters, which I love dearly. And when they laugh at my jokes, when I get to hug their neck, when I get to goof around with them, there's a wonderful thing that is a dad's privilege, okay? To love on his daughter, to have that special voice to be able to speak to her or them. And it's a wonderful thing, okay? I've never had a son. Glenn, you have sons. I don't know how that feels, but I do have daughters. And when I looked at that mandate, pretty much, now I'll tell you, I was in leadership, Sarah Beth, at the time, and I will tell you in my heart, and sorry, Glenn, if this is not PG-13, but I said, hell no, my -hmm. daughter will, even when I was there and in full fellowship, I was like, my daughters will never live in that dorm setting that is an emotional harem and i'm telling you it reverberated and that was getting close to the end for me before i had seen things for about a year sarah beth when the false prophecy about the year 2007 he got way out on a limb okay and he's talking about for a year and a half we even have enough trees for all the limbs oh no no it was (laughs) that's good there are not forests it was way way out there and i remember going like i don't feel comfortable with this anymore i don't know and i would unfortunately the way that my brain i have a better long range broad scope memory than i do like what's right in front of me so i might be hearing preaching but i'm thinking about how does this correlate with um the 13 triumphal entries the message that i heard um 6.3 months ago and then it all maps out for me and i'm like no one is even remembering all the crazy stuff this guy said eight months ago it doesn't even apply now but it's it's literally the end of the world it's apocalyptic if you don't grasp it right now everything and then those people don't even know everybody would you agree with this i think both y'all would everybody in that assembly was clinically depressed <laughs> going yes. up and down yeah. up and down everyone yeah. including pastors wives yeah and yes. it's interesting that you bring that up dan because i was just thinking about something because going back through this i have to admit to everybody here that this is painful and i'm going through a lot of things in my mind that i'm having a fight right now um but thank god for his grace that's that's all i can say right Amen. now uh, that i'm sitting here one of the things that for me, and I don't know how this was with everybody else that was there, but for me at the time that I was there, the 13 years that I was there, I was sick and I did not know it. Mm-hmm. I had a brain tumor. So that affected my thinking, that affected my perception of reality, that affected everything. It, it affected the way that I treated people. It affected my behavior. Other people saw it. I didn't see it. Uh, and it became obvious like, oh, wow, that's what was going on because the tumor was affecting my hormone levels. So there was depression to degrees that, you know, would not be normal. Um, my testosterone levels were down. There, was, I was just an absolute mess. So for me to buy into this stuff, because I was whacked to begin with mentally, and I'm not saying that I was crazy that I was like, you know, you know, 
doing stupid. Yeah, I was doing stupid stuff, but not sadistic stuff. It, 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 I was being played upon, and that illness that I had that I did not know about, that weakness that I had that I did not know about, was being exploited by the leadership. So now I'm the only one that's the jerk. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. <laughs> I got in no. because I wanted to control people. No, no. Um, Sarah Beth, you, you asked me no, a question um, about why I stayed, and I'll I'll answer that the best I can. Um, part of it was because, how do you say? Like normally, I can be very vehemently. If someone tries to control me, I usually sense it very quickly. But when it comes to things that are really tender, really emotional, the gospel, souls being saved, um, the shed blood of Christ, I, it softens me. I'm like, man, what would I not do? What would I not suffer? Right. I, I need to do something. A, a sense of duty. Okay. Another thing was that he did neutralize Glenn and I with an offer of leadership. Which and really wasn't leadership at all. It wasn't. We weren't in, in control of really everything. And now I was a henchman. I know that at a particular point, he'd give me orders and I'd go out and go, hey, why haven't you gotten this done? So we did some of that, right? But it's like, and I'm ashamed of that part of it. But at, at the other part of it was, um, he owns your community. Okay. When you have yeah. a leader like this, they own your community. That means there is a gun pointed at you, okay, that you don't see. And it's, if I do not toe the line, I lose the love and the fellowship and the friendship of everybody that knows me and loves me, my friends, my family. Yeah. And he would manipulate, they, it would manipulate spouses and they would separate. Y'all weren't the only, uh, your parents weren't the only one that suffered a lot of different things. There were a lot of different people. He would try to get in between them. He'd get the wife alone and scared to death saying your, your kids are going to be drunkards and whores. If you, if you leave the church, oh, the wife's going to freak out. The wife had to decide, do I go with my hubby or do I? listen to Voldemort what do I do mm -hmm. and he would sniff that thing out he would um there were ridiculous things that went on and did you notice you always made excuses for him uh-huh yeah, yeah. I, I would have a former member call me and say hey I heard that this this and this and this was going on and I said no 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 and I made up all these excuses when I got off the phone I was like you know what I just lied at least nine times and I couldn't believe I was a pastor and I just got off the phone with a friend of mine that accused the ministry of being cultic and doing this, this and this, all which were true. That was a turning point for me. And yeah. I had to admit before God that I lied to cover for the leadership. That stuff is heavy. I wanted to clarify too. Danny brought up the emotional harem just for vis people listening. We know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I wasn't sure if we we're going to go there because that is this part of my story that weirds people out the most. So I want to clarify what it was. So um, this is a, this is another hard. This is a real hard conversation. Um, I um, had gone away to college for my first year. I went to a private liberal arts college in the upstate of South Carolina and loved it so much. Got really happy. Made lots of really good friends, godly people. And I was in trouble because I was making a life for myself apart from the cult. And so then I was highly encouraged, a.k.a. you have to go to the College of Charleston. I'm going to just say names now of cities. Um, and then additionally, you must move in with the pastor's family. I was one of, at one point, let's see, let me think about this. We had one, two, 
three, four. I think there were five of us all together okay. in one room, in one room, in a dorm style room, mm -hmm. um, in a house that was built for free for him to live in. It was a beautiful home, and we lived in a dorm style situation. I actually lived with him and his family for about eight years. When I left the cult, it was eight years, left, Sarah Beth. Yes, when I left the cult, I left his house. Okay. I didn't. I didn't go back to my parents' home um, from the time I was. Uh, let's see. It would have been sophomore year of college, so I would have just turned 19 years old. Um, and he really effectively stole me from my parents and alienated me from my family. Starting at a younger age, they would start dividing the youth from the adults, but certainly mm -hmm. very pronounced. With the time period, Dan, when and I say this not to rub it in or make you remember hard things, but when you were really leading in the band and everything, that was a really strong time of uh, of basically pitting the young people against the older people, which is very unbiblical. I remember um, that, Sarah Beth. I remember yeah. because I was put in the category of the, what, what did they call that? The They um, called y'all horrible things. The I don't, old generation I just, or the one yeah. that was no longer useful. And old I was yeah. the old breed. Right. Um, being cast yeah, I into that. About that, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm only like, you know, thirty something years old, and I'm old breed. What in the world are you talking about? Nobody, even yeah. the leadership, knew exactly how to define it. It was always nebulous because I'd be like, I remember talking to one of the other elders and going, "Am I new or old?" And you know, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think during that time period, I, I'm just, I'm just going to be really honest. I have my prayer life really suffered from that time period um, of the types of praying that we were encouraged to be doing. The pressure put on us to get results, the pressure put on us to pray fervently, which really depends on your personality type, what fervent is for you. And prayer became a performance. To this day, for me to say the blessing over our meal in front of my husband is a big deal. Uh, for me to pray out loud in front of anybody doesn't happen. I have had to really relearn how to approach God. Um, and it's really simple. It's actually so simple. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> but it has that impact. That time period really impacted my prayer life in a way that is painful. It's very painful. It's been six years. It's something that I'm, I'm expecting. I'm expect, even though this is bizarre and my husband would never and none of my friends would ever or none of my leaders would ever, I'm expecting when I get done with my prayer for someone to come up and, and publicly exhort, you shouldn't have done it this way because that happened mm. publicly. And that is something where then I'm praying and I'm thinking, is this a good prayer? Well, that's not praying because <laughs> you're just coming up with words. So it has, there is something to that um, and I feel like I'm completely on a rabbit trail now. But that time period um, where we were kind of being alienated, we young people were really being used like chess pieces in whatever plan he had at that time. If it was just he had fun controlling us. But there was a lot of pressure to perform. Um, there was so much put on us. And we were not allowed to seek wisdom from the older generation, which I now love being friends with people who are older than me so I can ask them questions and learn from what they've been through because I don't know, you know? And we see that model in Scripture. I think it's really interesting. And I don't know, did y'all 
now I'm asking y'all questions. This is not my podcast. No, that's great. Um, Go for it. Did you guys, when you left or while you were there, I guess getting out, how has it been learning to seek God on your own or has your prayer life, how, how does that affect you um, or did it lingeringly affect you um, in, the, in the way that you approach God? Huge effect. I know that Glenn and I refer to something often, even on our podcast, um, being what do we call it? The desert, the desert experience, experience, the yeah. desert years. Yeah. When I got out, the scripture to me smelled like Voldemort's armpit. Yeah. And whenever I would read, I would recall, and whatever weird recall, I don't know why I remember so much stuff, like on a broad spectrum, like you hear years of teaching, and I get like this ocean, not all of it, not Rain Man level, but I would get this broad painting. And for years, Sarah Beth, um, I would look up, I felt the confidence to look up different word studies. One of the favorite verses was... um, Submit to them out of Hebrews. Submit to them that have the authority. Um, help me, Glenn. I'm drifting. Hebrews, uh, it's something eleven. So yeah, that like one eleven thirteen or thirteen. They have, rule, yes. they have okay. rule over you. Yeah, they have the rule over you. Submit. And it was when I looked it up in the Greek. Everybody from Matthew Henry for like the last five hundred years understood what that meant. And it wasn't a magistral, like a magistrate rule. Like in this yeah. cult, if you wanted to move into another house. You had to get the approval yeah. of counsel. If you wanted to take another job, you had to get the approval of counsel. If you wanted to do anything, buy another car. If you had a bank account with money in it and you didn't tell them about it, if you had a hundred yep. grand in a bank account, it would have been seen as sinful if that right. wasn't disclosed to them. If sometimes you were commanded to sign over a business and many didn't. And so it was ridiculous. So For me, when I look back, I went through a time where I was like, you know what? I never doubted my salvation the whole time I was there. I was thankful that they got me out of Arminianism and and the grace message that was at least preached before they froze you with the um, horizontal legalism. So, So the life within that fun park was horizontal legalism, unspoken rules, love bombing, the whole bit, right? right you you right. were just a, you were just a harlot being pimped out, right? And so it's like you you get all this stuff going on and then it's like they freeze you and then they affirm you. Oh baby, you my number one and then boom, you get acceptance, affirmation and they freeze you. You're an outcast. You get threatened, you get fear. Well, it for me um I went through just my prayers. I lost the confidence to pray for myself, I mm-hmm. became somewhat um, like a, a person that trusted the blood, but that was somewhat deistic in my beliefs. I believe that, yeah. you know, it was beer 30 for the Lord and he was like out there someplace. And I was nervous with anybody that was like thought that they heard the voice of God. It would make me very nervous. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of stuff. Glenn, what, what, I know you and I have a lot of similarities in that, but where are you at with it? We have a lot of similarities. God was very good to me after I left. I had to go back to my roots. I had to go back to my military roots. Uh, I could not, I did not open scripture, didn't, would not open scripture, did not want to see it, uh, did not want to hear it, uh, didn't pray. Uh, I didn't start reading scripture until last November again. 
Um, mm. I didn't start praying again until last November. Now, mind you that in this desert experience, after I had left, it was, uh, we left in what, 2007? 2007. 2007. Feb- February, probably February. almost today. Yeah, well, pro- 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 today probably is the day, anniversary. Um, two years later in 2009, now, what I did is I went and I jumped out of airplanes and did all sorts of cool stuff that I really wanted to do that I believe, you know, that I was could not have done while I was there. Uh, because they would have frowned against that because then you're doing what you really want to do, you know, tattoos, tattoos, you know, yeah, I've I've got, I've got (laughs) tattoos, metal. That's how I got into, into the metal scene. Um, but for me during that time of not being in prayer, not being in scripture, that's, you know, two years later I was diagnosed with the brain tumor. Uh, actually a year later I was diagnosed with the brain tumor And then a year after that, I went through the divorce. So all this bad was happening at once. But in the midst of that bad, I never doubted that God was with me. I never doubted that God had me and that God had a plan and a purpose. But I just really was not interested in pursuing. And I think for me, he brought me to this rest haven for a while where it's like, I understand. Boy, talk about the total opposite of performance. Okay, I think he really understood where I was at that I couldn't handle that, that I couldn't deal with that. And for me during that time, that's when he was speaking to me through metal and I was understanding what I needed to do because he knew that that was the delivery mechanism that I would listen to and not punch somebody in the face with. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, that was the, and, and that's how good God is, is that it's okay to be in those desert periods. And really for all of us, yes. I, I want yes. our listeners to understand that yes, you might be, in an abusive spiritual relationship right now you might have been spiritually abused that does not negate again the goodness of god and that he's got his hand on you and there is a purpose for what he's called you to because if that was not the case why would all of hell and satan try to keep you oppressed yes why would that be the case everything that we went through and dan and i have said this Everything that we went through that was horrible, that was painful, that is grieving even today to talk about was to prepare us for where we're at right now to do what God has called us to do. Never in a million years, if you said that Dan and I would be doing Get Real again 10 years ago when I was just not wanting anything to do with God at all, I would have laughed at you. And there were even times when I said what we did back then was for then. And now I'm at a different place. Well, yes, I was at a different place, but never say, never say never. And Mm -hmm. in preparing for today, and I want to say this to all of our listeners, in preparing for today, and I heard it from the pulpit today at church from Russell the Muscle, okay, is that when I was in the desert, when Dan was in the desert, I can equate that to the dry bones that, that Ezekiel saw. The dry bones. And Ezekiel asked, can these dry bones live? And the dry bones were severed. They were apart. They felt separated. They felt isolated. And God said, yes, these bones are going to live. I'm going to breathe my spirit back into them. And I believe right now that throughout the world, throughout whoever's listening, wherever this podcast goes, there are dry bones. And what Dan and what you, Sarah Beth, are doing today, we are doing what Ezekiel did, is we are prophesying into the four winds. And God wants to heal those bones and bring them back together again. 
And that's what we're seeing right now happening. There is, and your dad was with us when we were talking about the New Reformation back in 2000, 2001. He was a part of that. And I really believe that, okay, God does things a little bit differently. We were expecting everything to happen at that time. But in this time of Reformation, or dare I say restoration, God is bringing life to those dry bones. And he is raising an army because time is getting short. And he's going to use that army in restoration and reformation so that people can be freed, so that people can be healed, so that people can taste of the sweetness of a relationship with the Lord. But it comes down to the salvation and the sweetness of the relationship with that Lord, with the Lord, that he is bringing those bones together. And when I started back doing this, the whole idea of Lithos Cry, one of the first things I thought of was the Valley of Dry Bones. I didn't expect it in this manner, but I really believe that's what's happening. And I, my prayer is that everybody that's listening to this that has been through or is going through spiritual abuse, God, if you let him, will breathe his spirit back into you. I didn't call up Dan one day and be like, hey, dude, I want God to breathe his spirit back into me. I want to get back in the game. Basically, Dan called me and started sharing with me the sweetness of the relationship with the Lord, and it started to resound in me. And that's how we got where we're at right now. Amen. Well, if wow, there's anybody so out there... Sorry. Oh, if, if there's anybody out there of our listeners, and you're hearing what Glenn just passionately said, you're hearing the testimony of Sarah Beth, you're hearing some things that I'm sharing... Um, I would definitely... A couple of things. One is I would recommend highly... That if you can get a copy of The Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse, you're going to read that and it's going to be like somebody's reading your mail. You're going to be like, how did they know? Have they been sitting in the pew with me? Okay. There's others of you, and I've met a lot of people that have said, oh, yeah, I was involved in a cult. And I'm like, well, do tell. And then they begin talking about, um, you know, well, I recommended that we get red carpet and they chose green carpet and the pastor is just a demon, you know, this, look, no, you're just being a snowflake. That's not, <laughs> you're, you're not in a cult. Okay. You're just touchy yep. and feely. And there's a lot of that out there. Um, this was people three, four months behind on their house payments, giving it to the church so he can get a sports car and large screen TVs and the whole bit. And we fell for it because it was dressed up in the beauty of the gospel. And we were baited by our own need for affirmation, our own fatherlessness, our own whatever. Okay. A lot was going on with it. But if those things apply to you, think about it. Be honest with yourself. And we're going to pray this prayer for you. Mm -hmm. One of wisdom. Because some of you leaving, you're going to have to count a cost. That's right. Okay? If you leave really quickly or if you don't use some shrewdness, okay? I'm not saying all-out deception, but you're dealing with somebody that's manipulatively keeping you in place. Okay? I recommend a good, safe play. Listen to Dan Carlin, Hardcore History. Listen to the, what happened with the Anabaptist, and you'll probably see your pastor, your priest, your therapist, your husband, your, your wife, your somebody going like, whoa, I'm being gaslighted to question everything. Be honest with yourself. All of us are imperfect, right? We're, we're not trying to, this is not about Voldemort. No. It's not. No. Okay? All of us are imperfect. Let me guarantee you one thing. If God is an OCD freak show... 
and he's petty, we are all dead and gone to hell. Do you understand? There is no hope because we like to, you know what? We're obsessed with the outside of the cup. Mm-hmm. We like to shine that bad boy up. We want the prettiest sepulcher on, on the block, right? But when it comes to the inward, the subtleties of pride, subtleties of hypocrisy, the subtleties of whatever uncleanness I could have going on, we don't even have the eyeball to deal with that. It's no. like it's like we barely see this much, Glenn, of of the, of the spectrum of 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 light is visible, yeah. and you got all this other stuff. You got gamma and all these, you know, infrared and all these different spectrums. It's the same way with your own iniquity. The Roy G. Biv, you know, what you're seeing, what you see with your eyes. Is like nothing compared to what's actually there. And that's the way our hearts are with wickedness. So let me tell you, if you're going to go to hell because you're not speaking in tongues all day, or you're not going to, you're going to go to hell if you speak against the anointed one in your assembly, (laughs) if you're going to go to hell because you actually were like, look, do you think he was being weird? Do you think the way he uses money is appropriate? I'm not talking about launching into full-fledged rebellion against an imperfect but called man of God. I'm talking about someone abusing you. And what you need to know is God loves you. His grace is magnificent. It is so good it is scandalous, mm-hmm. right? It's scandalous. It is. How good it is. And one of my favorite scriptures talking about looking upon the serpent, upon the pole, high and lifted up, when the children of Israel were bitten by those serpents and they're dying, and all they had to do was look upon the brazen serpent to look and they could live. That is the verse that's alluded to right before John 3, 16. Wow. And what you need to understand is that's grace. It's not based off whether you did the right thing today or wore a metal tie clip or cut your hair or wore makeup or listened to rock and roll. It has nothing to do with any of that. And God wants you to receive his love. But last thing, Glenn, because I know you're itching. I, I know when you're I got itching. The itch. I got He's the itch. itching. Glenn's got something. Um. The thing that I want to tell you is, is that it's okay to take a break from spiritual performance. Listen to me. Bingo. If you preach, preach do it. not tithe, don't give it all, don't read, don't pray, literally hear a new definition of be still and know oh, amen. that I am God. That's what you can deal with. Yes. And if you have to do that for years, if you're getting out of an abusive cultic situation, you just know that, look, just looking, everybody could look. Everybody could lift their eyes. You know, there's people at all different levels. People could look and live. That's the burden you have. It's not some secret formula that only a few exclusive people know. Well, we got the right answer. You know how many times that lie's been told? We got the... No, you don't understand. Oh, it was revealed to Joseph Smith out in the woods with a special stone, and he could read the hieroglyphs. (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay? He was wrong. That was a lie from a charismatic dude that wanted more than one wife, right? It was all the... it's, It's been tried over and over and over and over and over again. Take it. All right. I'm going to go a step further, Dan. I think this is time for a little bit of uh, Glenn death to self again today. If there's anybody out there that's listening that is going through this or has gone through this, I really believe that part of the healing process is actually discussing it. Because when you discuss it, you put it out in the open, the talons and the vipers that have been able to grab you and take hold of you 
they get exposed. The fire comes down. They, they have to come out. I am going to offer to anybody that's listening to this, if you want to discuss this with us, if you want to share your story, contact us. Dan and I, we will talk to you. Remember when we'd meet with people in secret that were leaving? Yes. Remember that? All right. We'd be more than happy to do that with you. You can reach us. We've got email address. It's lithoscry, L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y at gmail.com. That's L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y at gmail.com. You can go to our website and contact us through there. It's lithoscry, L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y.com. We are on Instagram at lithoscry. There's only one lithoscry. Um, That's it. Uh, We are on Twitter at Lithos Cry. And we are also on Facebook at Lithos Cry. There's many opportunities for you to get in touch with us if you want to discuss this. And even if you want to share, even if you want to come onto the podcast and tell your story, we want to hear. We want to help. It and helps to get it out. It like you said, it really it does. does. Even tonight, I'm like, I didn't realize I had all this, you know, in I, there. Yeah, tonight's going to be a sweet time before the Lord with me. Um, it's it's going to be different. And Dan, what you said about taking that break from spirituality, that's exactly what I did for 10 years. And it was probably the best thing that I had ever done. Hmm. And then that rain, yeah, rain comes down. Go ahead, Sarah Beth. Please share. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just glad we're having this conversation. I Because it's so important. I think for me, I try to write in my head this beautiful story of my story of like, and now it's like nothing ever happened and I can pray to God like normal. I was telling my husband that today, you know, but I think sharing the scars really helps people listening know wherever you are, it's okay. God, if you're his or if he's drawing you, nothing can stop that because you never did anything to get it in the first place. And I think that's where this whole system can be broken down we can't keep ourselves and we never found ourselves um christ found us and so it's refreshing to have this conversation it took a vulnerable turn that i was kind of not expecting when i but i'm so glad because i didn't i didn't really know that y'all went through i know that it was very painful whatever happened after you left but i didn't really know that you went through that type of a desert period even away from god or away from what would look to people to be uh, productive relationship with God. And I, I just know there's so much grace for people in that position. Yes, Scripture tells us to go to church. Scripture tells us these things. And I don't have a clear-cut answer for the seasons we go through where we can't do that. I know people who can't and people who are struggling to and who are overcoming that. There are, there are weeks when I can't go. There are weeks when I run out crying. Um, it hasn't happened in a really long time. But if that's happening and you're listening, that's okay because church is a man is sort of the way we've decided church goes in America is sort of just cultural. So, you know, come in, lots of people in a room, someone up front on a stage, all that stuff is just cultural. So if you have trouble with that, that's okay. I guess that's all I'm trying to say is just I hope that by sharing these kind of raw things that we are helping kind of empower people to to just know God isn't after you. He is not hiding the ball from you and then like, ah, you messed up. I caught you. Um, That's not who God is. And that's been a hard thing for me to learn. I think so many times I've come 
broken into tears talking to my husband about what it feels like to earn love. It's the saddest thing in the world, and that's what we learned. But yet, what Scripture tells us, and one of my favorite, I will tell this story from the Scripture, like I've told this story like a hundred times a week for the last couple of weeks, is the story of the thief on the cross, where for me that levels everything out. That thief was on the cross getting killed for whatever he had done. Um, Obviously he's called a thief, so he stole something, but obviously he had not led a great life up to that point. And all he asked God, all he asked Jesus was, will you remember me? There was no eloquent prayer. There was no just just emotional altar experience. He was dying. And he said, will you remember me? Will you just put in a good word for me before your father? And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. And that levels the playing field. It levels it completely. It levels it if your church thinks it's the only right way. If you think if you leave, then you're missing out on the right way. Or if you're hearing that, or if you're feeling that, if you're feeling the pressure, just know that that thief was with God that very day. He did nothing, nothing to earn it. He hadn't had a devotional. He hadn't had a quiet time. Um, And I'm not saying that you shouldn't pursue those things. My walk with God in the last year has improved. improved. I don't like that word. I've gotten so close to him. My knowledge of scripture has, and really I just search scripture because I want to know, what does it say? If somebody tries to tell me something it doesn't say, I'm going to tell them. I've emailed our pastor at our church. I've been like, nope, that was not correct. Because I do not ever want to be where I was before. Um, So I'm not negating the necessariness of scripture reading, of prayer. But it's kind of like when you're sick and you can't eat meat, you got to eat soup. Maybe you're eating soup right now. That's fine. Hmm. That's a good one. Um, That is good. And so you cannot, it's like I... It's like getting angry at yourself because you can't run a marathon. Well, go out there and take a walk first, you know. So you can't just, and it's okay to not know answers. I think I've shelved a lot of theological points for a few years where it's, I mean, you can have whole churches built on some of this stuff. Um, Women's roles, goodness gracious. I am in so much violation of women's roles right now. Um, Do you have a denim skirt on right now, too, I hope? Listen, I'm actually wearing a a denim dress. Uh, Denim is back, and there are certain things of denim I will never wear, but I am wearing a denim dress today, which is funny. I thought that was really funny. We have a prophet in our midst. (laughs) It's actually really fashionable, and it's not. It's cute and fun and nice. We'll take your word for it, even though you're Um, a lawyer. Yeah. I could be lying, um, but yeah, I'm just saying, like, I don't know, all that stuff, just, no, it's it, a, it, it's wonderful hearing your perspective, it's refreshing to me, it refreshes even my own kind of wilderness experience, because I'm, I've meandered, I've had times where I've drawn close to church, and then I've had times, even at a wonderful church, where I've had to, like, get out, because <laughs> I felt suffocated by subtle groupthink. Or I felt hypersensitive to expectations. And, you know, I can totally relate. So you're sharing, Sarah Beth, you're sharing has brought freedom to Glenn and and I, I can tell. Well, good. There's about four quick things that I want to review for the listeners. One is, 
if you're involved in a church, whatever it is, or some group, go on YouTube, look up what a narcissistic personality disorder is. Watch a few videos. And if you see that, oh my goodness, my teacher, my preacher, my mentor, my guru, that that's him. That's her. Um, then, you know, warning. Number two, you might want to look up the book and order it. I don't think it's available in Audible. I wish it was. But The Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse. I forget the author's name. There's actually a good interview. If you got to wait for the book, there's a good interview with a really um, nice uh, German girl that was involved in a Baptist cult in Germany. And um, she got out, and that's the book that your mom read, Sarah Beth. So, so folks okay. can get that online. The subtle power of spiritual abuse. I'd love to interview those guys. They're lovable. Yeah. They're they're awesome. Um, one more. Watch the movie, The Gaslight. It's on YouTube for free, and it's probably not something you're going to get in trouble for. You know that the cult people aren't going to be looking. Watch The Gaslight. It's actually old, but it's very entertaining. It's kind of riveting, the plot. Okay, I watched it this week to Did prepare you? for okay. today. Okay. I enjoyed it, and I was like, and at, when we started the program, what I was talking to Glenn about was a scene out of that movie. It was part of the, the subject matter. So that's a really, really, really big deal. And then I had one more, but I can't think, but I can tell you got the, the pin raised. I got, the, I got the itch. First of all, I have to say something that when you said we were going to do a... Uh, a show on gaslighting. I thought that uh, it was going to have to do with uh, something we talked about uh, that Martin Luther had a problem with. But. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of humor. You know, we got, we got to have a little bit of humor in here. So I brought I brought a respirator mask into the studio with me because I thought that's what we we're going to be discussing. But Sarah Beth, I shared with you yesterday a song that was hitting me. Yeah. And I want to share this the lyrics with our our listeners because this can be turned into a prayer. And I was crying when I was listening to this yesterday. And I'm going to read it, and I'm going to post it on our, our, our website so our listeners can go take a look at it. But here's what the words say. Free my mind, heal my scars, erase the past, dark days to forget, and memories to last in my heart. Free me now. Make me forget and forgive. Chasing the dragon, Epica. Wow. Very strong. That can be a prayer. And there is that freedom... I had to forgive. That I had to say, Voldemort, you know, God bless yeah. you. Yes. You yes. Know? And, and yeah. I, that's when I experienced and I saw, because I wax deistic when I'm in unforgiveness. I think, you know, God's not really interacting with me. No, but I'm in like dookie diaper mode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're like all, yeah. the Lord's avoiding yeah. me on purpose because yeah. it's I'm walking in unforgiveness. And that drove it home when I that's heard that good. yesterday. It's one thing to forget, but to forgive and when you get to that point where you feel strong enough where you can forgive, your relationship with the Lord just opens up. Right? Y'all, I didn't know if we were going to bring this up. I was really just trusting God because this is a very painful topic for survivors of abuse because it is thrown in their face often. Forgive, forgive, which a lot of people, um, Christians misunderstand forgiveness. I've This last year was the year that God brought that up in my life and it was very hard because most of the pain in my life right now is because of a person that I um, struggle to forgive and I will say there were it was so funny God is so funny y'all he is very funny and I love that every time I turned on a podcast every time I, I went to my aunt's house and she turned on a sermon 
it was about forgiving people. And I was like, but God, what about if they're really bad? (laughs) I never said that you don't. And so here's the thing for me. I've had Christians say forgive and they meant act like it was fine what happens. And that is not forgiveness. What forgiveness is, is that someone else is dealt with that. We're letting God deal with that. I am not holding it against them anymore. And it's like a way of, I'm doing a terrible job of talking about this. It's a way of letting go for yourself. I think as they serve, I call it surviving. I don't like to call myself a victim anymore because I like to not be identified as what happened to me for my entire life. It was a lot of my life. It was my whole life until I was 27 years old or 26 years old. For me, what I see in scripture is Christ bore that. If that person is in Christ, we forgive them because he died for them. If they're outside of Christ, they could become in Christ or God's going to deal with them at some point. We don't get to mete out justice. As much as my little lawyer heart wants to go around telling everyone what they cannot do and you may not do that, I will sue you. I can't do that. And I felt like I was hanging on to my pain to validate that what happened was wrong. And I had to let go of that because it was hurting me. He doesn't care that I'm still out here hurting. That's not punishing the person who hurt us. It's punishing ourselves. And so something that I realized, and and it's something that I'm trying to implement in my own life, is that forgiveness isn't saying it's fine. Like when someone says, oh, I'm sorry, and you say it's fine. I mean, unless they're like late for something. I'm, I'm talking about like they sinned against you in a major way. Um, you are saying like it's it's dealt with because as we are forgiven, we're to forgive. That was just very humbling for me because every time it comes down to it for me, it, it does come down to the thief on the cross for me every time. I'm like, dang it, dang it. <laughs> that story is in the Bible for me to know that I don't get to be like, but I was, I've been a Christian for my life and I like, no, you forgive people. And I'm, and my saying that, and if there's somebody listening to this and this is very hard to hear, I'm sorry. And God will get you to the place where you can hear it eventually because I couldn't do this. I couldn't do it for five years. And there's layers. There is layers of things that you forgive. It's not a one time and done. It's a harder forgiveness. But what I've learned is we are not telling you and we're not saying about our past that what was done to us was okay. What was done to us, God hates it. God hates what's being done to you right now if you're listening and this is happening to you in any capacity. What we're saying is, Someone else is taking care of that, and you don't get to carry around that burden anymore. And that's the freedom of forgiveness. And so that has helped me think about it that way because I felt like there are Christians that meant well, but they were basically telling me, like, you get to be friends with him again and be nice to him. And there are some times where there's consequences on earth for the things done on earth. And for us, I think we could probably agree that friendship with the person we're discussing today wouldn't be one of the things that we would like to have happen. Right. Um, however, I don't know. Never say never. Because I have heard stories. Um, I don't know if y'all are familiar. I told Glenn about Bob Goff. Bob Goff wrote a book called Everybody Always. And it's about loving everyone always. And it has challenged my faith in a new way this year, in a way that I've never had it challenged, where I, for sure, coming from the background that I came from. So I've been talking about how much it hurt me, how much it hurt me. Well, I was also a judgmental little know-it-all. And I wasn't very nice and unkind, at least in my heart, towards other people who I thought weren't doing it right. And 
learning that humility, again, coming back to the thief on the cross, where that's, that's the only thing. That's it. Remember me. That's the only thing. Everything else is grace. Everything else yes. is gravy. If I get to live my life out, and it's like a beautiful sacrifice to God, and at the end, he says, well done. I am thankful for that. But in the end, we're all, we're all humbled by that grace, that forgiveness that comes on the cross. Jesus was literally in the middle of dying for us and got to forgive the first one, I guess. That's, that's such a wonderful um, point, Sarah Beth, because the whole enchilada of the manipulation of narcissists, demonically controlled leaders that try to get in there. Think of the whole epicenter of what they're trying to thwart. They are trying to thwart your conscience before God, your belief that the blood was enough to save you. They're always going to interject themselves. How are you postured in obedience, Glenn, to the dear leader, right? Right. If you're not um, bowing down to Kim Jong-un in your, your service to Voldemort, <laughs> then then it's questionable whether you've even received yeah. the, the God's grace anyway. Well, think about a, a kind of a shortcut in 50-50. This could probably just be my lazy flesh, okay? But the th- one thing that has helped me with forgiveness is instead of focusing on the deeds done to me, I focused on my own wicked deeds done. (laughs) And when I look at that, then I'm like, holy cow, I am like worse than I thought I was. And the worse it gets, even though in a good way, not beating myself up in some performance mentality, I'm just like, dude, I really blew it. And when I went into the desert, I I went into the desert. I was like, God, I get it. If you're petty, I'm dead. I don't know what's up. I would fly on a plane and I'd be like, this plane is probably going to go down like that boat with Jonah on it. Not saying I'm a prophet, but I I was like, it's probably just going to go down and just blow up. Okay. And I don't know. I was like, why do I, why am I even thinking that way? But if you think about your own problems, your own um, mm-hmm. things that like what you were saying, how judgmental and all those things. And, and I think about myself and how I'm just, dude, if, if you know, I'll, I'll cuss at the television. If CNN gets turned on, I would just like go off. Right. And then I'll back off and I'll be like, I've got so much going on inside me that's wicked and wrong. Um, that I'm so thankful for God's grace. And then I look and go, you know what? May God have mercy on his soul. May God have mercy on Voldemort's soul. Mm -hmm. If he's Mm -hmm. got a personality disorder, if his mom gaslighted him into mania, okay, as a youth or as a kid, if he was abused, if he was smacked around by his dad, whatever happened, I don't know what happened, but I know it was traumatic. I know there was traumatic events there, which I won't speak of, but it's like at the same time, my God bless him. And you know what? His breath... Adolf yep. Hitler had as many breaths as God gave him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Voldemort has got as many breaths as God gives him. He's got to think about it. So the thing that makes it outstandingly glaring for anybody still in the fun park and the fun park relocated to another state. Okay. <laughs> but if anybody's still in that fun park and you're hearing this, the proof is in the pudding. We got 40, 50, 60 people that could sit there and go, we were lied about. Yep. We were shunned. Yes, totally. We were abused. Our credit lines, our money was drained dry. It was misused. It was all these things. It just keeps going. Okay. It's unbelievable. So there's nobody that was there that didn't know that money was being used frivolously. There's no one. Okay. But the forgiveness 
And that is something that I'm not the best at. I have a fiery temper. I have a red beard. Check it out, Glenn. It's yep, totally, that, that is red. It's totally metal. You know it is. <laughs> but at the same time, I have to forgive when I want to punch or throw the finger right. or use all sorts of words, right? And I sit there and I go, you know what? God, that 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 scripture that you were referring to about the thief on the cross, my, that mm-hmm. one's one of my f- absolute favorites. It's hard for me to even think of it without tearing up. You know what the other one is? It's the guy that beat his breast in the temple and l- wouldn't even lift his eyes towards heaven. Wouldn't even lift his eyes. And you got the jerk that's over there going, well, I'm not like this, you know, crackhead over here, blah, 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 blah. But the guy that wouldn't even lift it, he beat his breast thing. I'm completely unworthy. And when I really get down to business and you know what, like Martin Luther was talking about, like what I told you, strangely enough, way back in the day before I was totally indoctrinated in the cult, I was like, Glenn, you need to go mess up real hard. So you're not so petty and performance minded. Just go screw up really, really bad. Well, I did it while I was in the desert. So uh, mission check the box on that one. No, that's good. Sarah Beth. Hey, we wow. love you. Yeah. We're praying for you. Yeah. We may do some follow-up podcast in this. Yeah. May God bless you and your husband and your tiny house and all the cool things that are going on in your life. And this has been, for me, it's been severely awakening and refreshing. It's been a blessing. And for um, anybody else out there, we're going to be praying for y'all. For listeners, yes. please contact yeah. us. Glenn, yeah. you got anything to sign off with? And Sarah Beth will give you the last word. Please contact us. We encourage you to contact us. Not that we're experts, but we are here to help. We've been there. Been through it. Been through it. And that's somebody who's not been through it. We understand. They don't understand it. They, they don't get it. And because you're going through it, it's not because you're not smart. It's not because you've made bad choices it's because you probably have a heart towards god that is <laughs> absolutely that is just amazing that absolutely. he wants to do things with he wants to bless you he wants to use you contact us lithos cry l-i-t-h-o-s-c-r-y at gmail.com or you can contact us through the website um uh, at lithoscry.com. sarah beth final thoughts see us off yeah i think um it's just incredible to talk with you guys if you had told me 12 years ago this would be what we would be doing, I would have just lost my mind. I don't, this doesn't make any sense, but God is so good. And for our listeners, I think the biggest thing, if I could just scoop you up, if you're listening right now and you're going through this and I could just pour anything into you, I want you to know how much God does love you, how much he sees you. We we studied in um, a, a Bible study on the book of Exodus, or half of Exodus, that's a big old book. We studied half of it. Um, for one part of it, and God is the God who sees, he is the God who sees Hagar out in the wilderness, cast out, she was abused, that woman, go read the story of Hagar, that is not okay, God was not okay with that, just because Abraham and Sarah did it doesn't make it okay, and she called him the God who sees, he met her in the wilderness, and that, he sees that, he sees the oppression, he sees all of it, and I want you to take comfort in that, and I want you to know that you're not alone. And do contact. Contact them through, the, um, through all the means they've given you. Contact anybody. Um, also, if you wanted to talk to me, if you're a female and it's easier to talk to a girl, they'll forward you information. I'm completely open to talking to anybody. It's, it's a passion that I have is helping people see who God really is because what makes me angry is when 
when someone prevents you from seeing him. That makes me very angry, and I want you to see him. I want you to see that he's the one who sees you. And then another thing, and as you can, one of the biggest ploys of the enemy, I believe, in this situation is to take away your weapon. And one of your weapons is God's word, called the sword, and we need it. Now, I have struggled to read it for various reasons, various translations. There's a lot of baggage that goes with which translation you read. I know um, that it could be real heavy in the KJV. I've switched over because I can't take it. I've written about this. This is something that I found over the last six years to be where I find myself to, to become the strongest is when I've been able to educate myself of what Scripture really says. And you have to start with what you can handle. So if you can't handle, you know, an intense Bible study, I'm not telling you to go read your whole Bible in a year. I'm not telling you to have an hour of quiet time in the morning. I am telling you that it is a perfect ploy to keep you away from the weapon you need to discern between right and wrong. Um, if your pastor is telling you what to study or that you can't do it on your own, that's not true. And Scripture tells us that we, can, we have bold access, we can go. To God, we can go to his word. I'm rambling. I just really want people to know God. So I just would just ask that you at least find one verse that you can just hang on to if you can't hang on to anything else. Um, but I want you to know that God's the God who sees. He sees you. He sees you're not stuck. You're not stuck. It may feel like it, but you're not stuck. And I, I could talk about this for forever, but that's what I want you to know. That's good stuff. Um, Sarah I guess Beth. that's it. Thank you so much for spending time with us. And I look forward to the day where I can see you, meet your husband, and just uh, God bless you guys. And um, I Thanks, hope, you uh, too. Yeah, I hope that the wilderness stuff tones down and God just blossoms a whole new chapter in your life and full of healing. And um, I know this has been healing for me. It really has. And I don't like being that vulnerable. So. Yep. Well, yeah, this, today we've talked about places. <laughs> we've talked about manipulation here with the metalhead heathens, um, <laughs> former freak shows. So anyhow, we love our listeners, you guys love all over the world. All. If you're being abused, you know, if you're just being a snowflake, get over it. But if you're being abused, um, let us know. <laughs> we love you guys. Thank you. Signing off. Until the next time. <laughs> <laughs>